Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Hi listeners, welcome back to Not Your Average My. In our last episode, we talked about the importance of this year's general election and why your vote matters. So please remember to go out to vote and vote early. Um, If you want to check out our website, we've shared some resources on there. So if you want more information on voting, check out the website and then also tag us on social media when you vote us and that we can also feature you. Um, And then remember, election day is November 3rd, November 3rd. (laughs) Um, And on another note, you know, today's episode, we're going to be talking about different taboos within the Hmong community, which is really interesting because when we were brainstorming and discussing this topic, we were able to list a bunch of topics beyond the dating someone with your same last name, right? And sometimes I feel like that was synonymous with the term taboo. So, you know, we're, you know, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on, uh, on these topics, ladies, and how they all essentially tie back to gender expectations or gender roles or patriarchy within our community. So let's go ahead and dive into it. And so let's start with the let's start with the taboo of dating someone with the same last name. So I think this was a hot topic about two, three months ago with Hmong American artist David Yang and blogger Gloria Yang. So they're both Yangs. They were together for some time. They're no longer together. Um, so really, yeah. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this. Right. Like growing up, how did you understand the taboo of dating someone with your with your same last name? Um, that it was bad, illegal and wrong. That was like wait, wait, as simple as it was. Clarity, it's not that we're trying to hate on like, you know, David. No, I know. Or, I'm saying yeah, we're not. Answer, for sure. Answer yeah, my just, question though. Yeah, that's how I, we were always told about taboo growing up. Like you cannot date anyone with the same last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't even think about it. They're your sibling. Um, Let me yeah. clarify though, because I think. So I bring this up as as an example, not to really sh- not to shame or blame them or anything, but I bring this up because Absolutely. it's interesting and in that they are part of this millennial generation. However, they got so much backlash for it. Yeah, Still, and I don't right? understand that. I'm like, well, yeah, I thought we moved past that. Um, I mean, maybe Liz can dive in into like why te- you know the surname taboo is the way it is, but I'm honestly like why the hell do people have so much time to just hate on other people's lives? Like, why do they still feel so strongly about that? It's kind of like our parents' generation. Yeah. So I'm really curious to hear. <laughs> so Liz, you want to share the backstory? Uh, okay, if there's one trolled. thing I've learned, like, Hmong people with a lot of time on social media is really vicious. Like, you know how mm. there's Black Twitter? There's Hmong Facebook. And yeah, they're yeah. just teletrolls who, like, have a lot of time. Um, there are some positive folks out there, but, you know, like – I mean, I'm not a perfect person. Sometimes I'm a troll when I think it's deserved. <laughs> Me too. Um, so maybe that's a that's a little bit part of it. Um, I mean, I think so. Maybe if we back up, I mean, there's like a, a biological, like genetic problem, right? Like where like you you shouldn't be inter like this is called incest. You shouldn't be kind of intermarrying um, because then you know like just the mix of genes, etc., means that you know you're more likely to have like genetic. Um, you know, complications, right? Um, so I think that maybe my like pseudo anthropological socialist like response is that <laughs> you know, we we just used to live like you know in There's these communities that were so far away from each other, right? That like you know like the people that that you knew like in the village are like the people that you probably married, and so like we were trying to prevent. Um, you know, some like genetic complications, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I think like Monica was saying, you know, there is like a, among like folktale, but yeah, but yeah, right. Um, where, where, you know, some people may have heard this, some people may not have. Right. But like the elders teach us lessons by telling us stories. And, you know, we have like a pseudo like Adam and Eve, um, version in Hmong where, I think like the brother and the sister like came out of like Tao or something like that. And then they are the, they were like the two people on earth and it was only just them. And I guess, you know, when there are two people, they procreate and that's why boys and girls can't be friends. That's something else we can talk about. Um, (laughs) But they had a baby and I guess like for lack of like a better word, like the baby had like defects or something. So they like, 
broke the baby apart into like 18 pieces and like threw the parts like out as far as they could. They apparently like went around the world and that's where like the 18 different clans came from. It's it's also like a lesson why like you can't marry, you know, your brother or sister because then like their baby will like have birth defects. Like mm-hmm. it's like a really weird story. That's a loose interpretation of it. I think Liz got some of the facts right because <laughs> I I thought I remember it differently, but that's pretty accurate. Yeah, but I feel like, like there might be a different story that because you know people tell these stories and they might change over time. Yeah. So yes, yeah, yes, that true. is the yeah. So if y'all have heard listeners, if y'all have heard a different story, please let us know as let one. Us know yeah. you heard <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Wait, what did Monica know, or what do you guys? Yeah. Yeah, Katie, what's your question? My question is, I mean, um, like Monica, growing up when, you know, it it was a big taboo and it was like a thing that you would probably get kicked out of your family for if you dated someone with the same last name. Um, that was just what was always the impression that was pushed on us. But my thing is, why are we so against dating same last name, but it's okay to um, date or talk to your aunt's son or daughter? Exactly. But that's actually like blood related and like, exactly. you know, like the same family tree, not even just like, you know, same last name. So there's some stuff that needs to be talked about in our own community, our clans and stuff. So my question is just why one and not the other? So. No, historically, I thought it's because, um, you know, Hmong people like to keep everything within the family, yes, right? And to keep so, the wealth, yeah. And to keep the wealth, yeah. yeah. So, you know, like my mom's brother, you know, she who obviously has a different last name from her kids will then, you know, hypothetically be like, oh, let's marry my daughter or my son to your daughter or your son so we can grow the family bond, keep the wealth, and then continue in that front. That yeah, was, that's I think, what Roosevelt was did, right? So, um, uh, FDR married yeah, um, his his wife, and she was like his cousin. But because the Roosevelts were super wealthy, that's how they had a lot of incest. But that's how they also kept a lot of the money in the family, right? So you know, if you were divor- to divorce, whatever, it's you're still in the family. I guess like the this family <clears throat> marrying somebody with the same last name and trying to prevent incest from happening. It, logically, it doesn't make sense because from what Katie's saying, you can still date and marry your first cousin. So if you because you know growing up like if even if you saw somebody who's a vang and he's cute like I automatically thought he- of him as a brother. So now I'm like you know if I were to be single, not engaged. If I were to be single, if I were to date, I and even if I met somebody who's a vang, I would not like I you know I would not date I would not date that person because it's been ingrained in me that that person is my brother, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I'm like do more power to people who choose to, like, I have nothing against that. But I think for me, like, I just, I personally can't do that. So I don't know, what what are your thoughts on that? Like, would you be able to date somebody with the same last name? Or does this conversation even matter, right? Like, people should just be able to do whatever they want as well. I think it depends, though, how much you, how much your parents care about this. Because I honestly think it only matters if your parents care, right? Like, forget the trolls. I know some folks who who have chosen this route and, you know, their parents have, um, excommunicated them right because Mm -hmm. because there's so much shame um in in the community but i think that right like if if the parents didn't have shame maybe it wouldn't matter i I guess to answer your question is um how closely related are they you know that would be my first question i mean i don't care if you date like someone with the same last name but i do agree that you shouldn't date your first cousin or like (laughs) or like you know anything that close so it's sort of like i think that you're grown enough to make your own decisions and you know um I mean, yes, I agree with Liz a little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess it matters what your parents think. But really, at the end of the day, it's how do you want to live your life? And if you do, then you do. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that, you know, you're not so closely related to where um, you will have issues. Because that's a genetic thing. That's a science thing. That's not like a we just made it up thing. So I would be lying if I said, you know, I'd be so willing and open to date a Lee guy today. But what do you know? My fiance is a Lee. You, you know, know, but it's funny though because my mom was still like, "Oh, Jenujing, uh, you do Hmongli, yeah." I'm like, "Well, he's not Hmong, mom, but yeah, <laughs> he, he is a Lee. I cannot help that." And so, you know, even if for my mom, like, even though my partner is Chinese and not Hmong, like, it was still such a like, like a moment of pause mm-hmm. for her. Um, but 
I'm with Katie and Liz, dude. It's it's ultimately up to you. But I really do think that like obviously your family support really impacts it. But I know people who've gone through together with or without their family support. They have a baby. The baby's fine. They're like super happy and in love, you know, and they have no relation to each other. So as long as you're not related. Yeah, I think it's fine. Monica, that's probably just like less paperwork you got to do when you get married about name changes and stuff. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, yep. And and, I mean, I like, I think we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if I would have changed my last name. I don't think I ever planned to, but I really did look out and yeah. So, <laughs> Can that be know. our next taboo subject? <laughs> name changes and names yes. after marriage? Oh, yeah. yes. Well, I mean, but that's also – oh, you mean that like if we – If we want to change our last names or not when you get married? That would be taboo. Yeah. But, Is it mean, taboo? Well, kind of because – It's taboo or look, frowned like, upon if you don't change it. Oh, my gosh, no, guys. No, it's no, been a struggle. That's true because – um, mom changed her last name to Lee, um, because we're Lee's and like some Hmong person was saying shit about her. It's, oh, I never, wait. Because, because you, 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 um, you like, you, 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 you like, um, ninja, um, right? Like you are, you were, you were kind of like always that last name. And so like, even though, um, in the Hmong culture, right? Like we take away a woman's like, you know, first name, right? And you just become like. Yetong or you know like whatever oh my God. <laughs> right. uh, sorry, my that's hella scary <laughs> but, but, right, but um so i think there's a thing about like just keeping even though like your spirit joins your family your your husband's family's like spirit house there's a thing about keeping like your last name because you're always like go mong va right like people will always say that I mom want- changed it for American purposes. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Katie, Katie what was your experience? Backlash. There is a balance um, between yes. So there's two different culture clash, and it's like you know, if you're Hmong, then you keep your like last name as your maiden last name, and if you want to be like Americanized, you change it to your husband's name. And of course, me, I got backlash from everybody because I combined it our names, so I made my own thing. So my name's actually, yeah, my name's well, actually, um, I'm actually Lee Yang. So, and like, I, and like, honestly, I love my husband, but even then he did kind of like gave me a little like backlash because she's like, how come you just didn't take my like full last name? Like mm-hmm. everybody calls you Yang anyways, instead of Lee Yang, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I mean, it was weird. And like, you know, we had our own struggle with it too. Cause he was just like, well, you know, the kids, they're not Lee Yang. Or like, you know, but you're a Li Yang. I'm like, can you just give it up, you know? And it's sort of like, this is like what I chose for myself. And this is how I want to be named. Because I don't, I didn't want to give up like my family last name either. Because it's important to me. And like, you know, I mean, it's a part of my life. But yet, like, I didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to accept his. I just needed like a combination of both and so i was put into like a even like weirder category like a third category of like making up my own thing so, so that's what did, how did your family feel about that my family um honestly they always they called me katie lee forever even like like let's say if like my parents like wanted me to deposit a check and then like they gave me cash for it they would write out my name as like you know katie lee and i'm like oh it's not my official name by the bank and then like you know like with like all of like the military stuff and on his end everyone always addressed me as like miss yang you know because mm. it's his last name and then Actually, when I became a teacher, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have, like, my full name because I've been struggling. Like, are they going to, like, short call me Lee? Or are they going to call me just Yang or something? I was like, just call me Lee Yang, and I'm, I will be happy. And so, yes, that's right. Because you deserve to be called by what you want to be called. Yes. Yeah. I'm, but that's I'm been a struggle. Even, 15 so, years. But the kids, the kids don't have that it. last name. My kids, my kids have his last name, you know, but then like, you know, like at the hospital, they always go by the mom's name. It doesn't matter, um, you know, if you're married or not, the baby's always called like baby Lee or baby Liang or baby Yang or whatever. And so like at the hospital, it's always like baby Liang. He's like, well, whose baby is this? I'm just like, quit giving me crap, wow. you know, like he was just being smart, but still like, you know, like that's a struggle that we've, you know, like we've dealt with in our own marriage. Katie, I'm really glad that you brought that example up because taboos, when we think about taboos, it's 
like you mentioned, it's two different cultures of viewing what that taboo is, right? So for example, like in Hong culture, changing your last name, but then in American culture, it's normal that you do that. And if you don't, then it's like, well, why? Like, are you a feminist? Do you want, you know, to be independent, et cetera, et cetera? But so you can't even say, category it's not n- normal per se, right? It's probably only normal because of like all the property rights stuff, right? Where like women couldn't own property, they couldn't have their own like credit cards or like mm-hmm. car insurance, right? And and so, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's like a quote unquote American culture either, right? Because even like normal people who I don't think they would identify themselves as feminists are like, yeah, like why would I not keep my family name? Right? I actually I don't think know. it's a pretty quote unquote feminist slash progressive viewpoint. Like and I don't think it's a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Well, okay. Of, so I mean, because it's also like like Katie said, really hard like administratively right and it costs money like you have to no, fill out cards and you have but to like you, go to a judge like it's just a huge hurdle i think people but just don't care but it's no, you know it's, it's people will judge you like i I've, i feel like i've heard people like Hmong women all kinds of women just say why won't you change your last they question name you yeah they, they question like 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 what katie said it comes on both sides or from all fronts but Dude, in the American culture, if you don't change your last name, you're automatically some independent, crazy feminist bitch or like, you know, you think you're too good for your husband's name. Seriously. It's true. Like, you know, if you don't change your name, yes. So you get this whole front where everybody's like, well, well, who are you and why aren't you aren't you committed to him? Aren't you committed to, you know, family? Like, why didn't you change your name? And then if you keep your last name, yeah, it's. It's hard. Yeah. And like I said, I went the easy route and I combined it everything. And then I just got hate from like the whole world. So I'm sort of like, whatever. <laughs> I and feel so like I- that's the best of both worlds. It's not like or your husband changed his name, mm-hmm. right? Or it's not like, you know, when it should be both, right? If you're in a committed relationship, you know, commit uh, contributing equal partnership, right? Like, shouldn't our husbands be asked to change their last name? <laughs> so like, would you be mm-hmm. a Lily then? <laughs> no you already yeah, have the same yeah. last name so that's not even a problem for you monica but i feel I like know, but i'm like i'm saying for you know other people though like the yeah. expectation is always to have the woman change their last name because of yeah what you said liz but like why why aren't our husbands expected to change their but last i have name? heard of like guys who have changed their names to mm-hmm. like um, yes. their wives very names well, like because of like to carry on the family lineage because like she's like an only daughter or something and, you know, that would be it if anything happened. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like ultimately, I guess when you get married, you can like change your name to anything. You guys it's can both have else. new names. So like yes. really. It's yeah. no one else's yes. business. Right. Wait, can yeah. I clarify earlier though? When I said normal. Okay. So honestly, it is normal if you're thinking about like Mikado people. So my realtor for her, she's also engaged, right? She's like, oh, last day as Miss whatever her last name is, right? But it's so normal to them to be, to want their husband's <laughs> last name. But I think for us, because we didn't grow up with, having our you know with seeing our mom well for me you know my family like my mom still has her maiden name so to me i'm like oh why would i change that you know right so just wanted to kind of clarify like mm-hmm. if i were not if i have if i were to have grown up in a different community that might have been normal to me like oh yeah of course you changed your last name to your husband's last name when you marry that person but because we didn't i didn't really see that in the mom community because you don't do that yeah, traditionally, to me, I'm like, why? Like, why would I change my last name? You know. So, yeah. are you going just- to? I'm curious. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I, already, I already told Tom I'm not changing my and last name. Right, but and I, I, I'm gonna preface and add to. I don't. I'm not. We're not judging you for oh, doing yeah, for one sure. or the other. And you know, just we want to empower y'all to do whatever you think is right, and to not be persuaded by what society says. I think yeah. is what we're trying yeah. to say. Yeah, and ignore the noise, right? Because I think no matter what, there's so much noise about mm-hmm. so much noise and judgment about what you should and shouldn't do. So I think this conversation is really good, you know, kind of diving into how this definition of taboo even means. And I think this is going to lead on to the next topic or the next question. Like, you know, I I, <laughs> I feel like growing up. Dating somebody with the same last name was synonymous with the term taboo. Like you just don't taboo. And you know yep, that it yep. means you don't date somebody with the same last name. So growing up, like, did you realize that there were other taboos within the Hmong community? You know, I think we kind of, I think when we were brainstorming, like we've actually came up with a, a, a different list, like period, sexuality, infertility, divorce, et cetera, you know? So just curious to hear your thoughts on, on, on that. 
I mean, do we want to talk about the periods first? And then, so, so I guess my question is, you know, Liz, it's funny because I didn't really see periods as a taboo topic, but mm-hmm. to you it was. So, like, can you kind of explain that to our audience as well? Maybe this is, you know, really redefining how we understood taboos growing up. Can I jump in on that one? Can we start at the beginning of, like, you know, just um, having your period and going through puberty? your body changing and puberty? Um, I believe that like just talking about it was a taboo because no one actually had that sex education mm-hmm, talk with their mm-hmm. kids. I know that when I had my period, we didn't even talk about it. It was like my mom discovered it and she was like, um, mm-hmm. here's some pads and you mm-hmm. can get pregnant now. So don't get pregnant if you don't mm-hmm. want to do- like, you know, like if you want to survive, don't get pregnant. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay cool and so that was my whole sex education conversation <laughs> and my whole period yep. conversation and yeah, i had like yep. four brothers so it's sort of like i didn't and i have an older sister too but we're like 10 years apart so she was already out of the house by the time like you know i hit like you know puberty so we never had that talk and everything i learned about like you know um sex education was either from school or from like other sources so it's sort of like, like a whole, yeah like <laughs> like the whole like thing yep. was like a whole taboo to talk about no one talks about those things and i've never mm-hmm. Like witness other people talk about it with their kids or like, you know, aunties and anything like that. And, you know, like we all went through it as, you know, you enter your womanhood, but no one talked about it. And like we all got our sources from somewhere else, not within our own community. So I do want to say that, like, you know, um, we should be more open and going through puberty isn't a taboo to talk about. And we should talk about it because there's a lot of things that happens mentally, physically that we would like little girls to know about snaps to that liz did you want to add on before i like jump in i have a really Um, funny story (laughs) i feel like katie covered all of it i had a very similar experience with my mom but i think that um i think a lot of like cultures view periods in general as like making a woman quote-unquote dirty Mm -hmm. right um, right in some cultures, like when you're on your period, you have to go live by yourself in these huts until your periods are over. In some countries, when girls have periods um, and they don't have pads, like they can't go to school. Um, yes, so, can go to temple in India. You're dirty. Right, you yes, and they will ask you that. Right? Are you on your period? Um, you know, if you are, you can't come in here. Right? So I think it it comes from it comes from that. So it's important to talk about this stuff and to explore different kinds of. Um, what are, what are tampons and pads called? Period supply? I don't know. Um, but one time in the summer, I think this was like maybe middle school, like freshman year. I, I forget. But um, we were going to a water park and like we were going to swim in Madison. I was with just my cousin Chia and my mom and dad were there, um, you know, meeting with their friends. But me and Chia were going to go swimming, right? But then I got my period mm-hmm. and I didn't have uh anything else besides pads and so she gave me her tampons and i was like i don't know how to use a tampon because my mom never uh let us use tampons right because she's you know she was like fearful it would cause like uh toxic syndrome right Um, no she thought it would break our hymen and we wouldn't be virgins okay whatever maybe that was it too but But that is a real thing why (laughs) some people don't use tampons yeah no and that's part of the the whole taboo thing right which is crazy but uh, it was just really funny. I bring out the story because like the whole time Chia's like trying to like, you know, demonstrate for me, like, this is how you stick up the tampon. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I can't get in. I don't know how to do it. Like, and then after like maybe 20 minutes of struggling, I finally get it. And I was like, okay, I think, I think I have it. I think I have well, my tampon. so uncomfortable though? Yeah, because I'd never fucking like had anything. Yeah. Sorry, TMI to our listeners, but like I never knew, I've never put on a tampon before. That was the first time after like 20 minutes of struggle, only to go swim in the pool. I'm like, can I just like go without it? <laughs> but anyways, uh, I really appreciate Chia because, you know, she's our like older cousin sister who basically taught, yeah, a lot of these things to us that like mm-hmm. we didn't learn at home. Um, so thank you, Chia, if you're listening. I know how to put on a tampon because of you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I I think because I grew up with a lot of sisters, the topic of periods wasn't really taboo to us, right? Because, you know, we would go with our mom and she would buy us pads from Dollar Tree. I fucking hate Dollar Tree pads, to be honest. So cheap. 
they hurt like hell and they are so horrible but you know because we grew up so poor and there are so many girls like there are so many of us and (laughs) i mean the past that you can afford from dollar tree so i felt like the topic of periods wasn't really a taboo topic but definitely sexuality right like yeah you know yeah you just never had those conversations it was always like don't get pregnant yeah Put a finer point on the period conversation. Manya, I like that you brought up that, you know, maybe it was normalized for you because there were so many girls in your family. And I think, yeah, like one one angle is that, you know, my mom was like, it's okay if I know that you're on your period, but like your dad shouldn't know if you're on your period. Mm-hmm. So weird. I was like, okay. Yeah, like we, we always had to I'm not dad's <laughs> well in the trash. I think that's like the story Liz wanted to bring up that like we'd always we'd have to hide our pads in the trash can. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, because my mom was like, yeah, you, you know, like, well, I, I guess it was also like a life lesson, but um, we had had our period education, puberty education at school, so I knew that when I had my period, it was my period, and I just mm-hmm. used the pad that I got. Um. And then when I threw it away, I left it in the trash. I didn't wrap it, right? My first period ever. And my mom found it in the trash because it, yeah. it was a new trash can because it was in the summer. Um, and she's like, whoa, what is this? I was like, oh, it's my period. She's like, have you had this before? I'm like, no, this is the first time. She's like, oh, just make sure your dad doesn't know. It is your job. She told me literally it is shameful to have your dad see this and you have mm. to wrap it with toilet paper so your dad doesn't know, right? So it's – it's, I guess, I don't know, us trying to appear normal <laughs> yeah. to men. Oh, man. I mean, we got to – they're just we so much – like, generational things. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, dang, we got to we gotta normalize the education around periods with kids and also not blaming or shaming anyone, right? Because it's such a normal part of our experience. I was just going to say, you know, even – Though we say this about our culture too. I mean, at work, right? Like when I, 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 I know I need to go, like you know, switch my tampon or whatever. I, I sometimes it's very American thing, yeah. When I don't have a bag, right? Like I'm like, oh, I'll just bring my tampon in, like in my hands, right? <laughs> like I used to put in like a little pencil bag or a makeup bag, but I was like, well, why, why wouldn't I be able to just like walk down and put a tampon? It's a very normal thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think some guys are like really scared when they see me walking down like with a tampon in my hand. So you really just walk down the hall? <laughs> yeah, well, because the bathroom More is like- More power to you. Dude, that is so bold. I love it, Liz. I mean, it's just like, I mean, literally it's, it's around the corner from our office. So it was like- like, I mean, once I was like, well, why do I care, right? Because yeah. I usually always put the tampon or the pads in my makeup bag and I bring my makeup bag to the bathroom, but I couldn't find my makeup bag once. And I was like, okay, I really need to do this before I have my next meeting. So I was like, okay, well, like, why wouldn't I just bring it? <laughs> because like, you know, like it is what it is. And and because I remembered there was a commercial um, when uh, one of the tampon companies, um, when they when they were marketing their their short tampon, right, where like you have to open it and then you you extend it because the applicator is inside the tampon um, plastic thing itself, right? Because um, it was made to look like just candy, um, and there was a whole uh, commercial where like the girls were like passing it around in in, in school in class because it was. Um, so it was supposed to be like invisible, right? And it could just mm-hmm. look like a candy bar or a mini candy bar. And so I thought about that and I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, why would I just not carry it around, right? Because I have to go and like, I, I don't have time to always conceal it and then bring it and then, you know, take it out, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's what I wanted to say, that it's not just unique to us as mom girls. I, I'm sure because even with my friends and all of us, we would always just, we'd have like weird code names too, right? Like we'd be like, Oh, our our nannies in town, you know, or our grannies in town. When we're signaling like our we're our periods here, right? Like we're on our period, or we would say like, "Oh, hey, do you have a do you have a sticker for me?" And sticker was supposed to mean pad, right? Wow, we y'all are so secretive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was just like the thing that like you know some of my group of girlfriends and we were like a pretty diverse group. Like it wasn't just all Hmong girls, right? It was like mm-hmm. a girl, like another Vietnamese girl, and like we would and like another Filipino girl, and like other you know me god girls and we were just like yeah like do y'all have a sticker like oh my 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 granny's in town or we'd like have nicknames for it's it's weird it's crazy like i don't know why we did that but we did Mm -hmm. and like liz whenever we did go to the bathroom it would be in a little like pouch and 
you know, mm. we would never, ever let anyone see it. It's crazy. Well, I think a little bit of is is building like that sisterhood, right? And it's because like this is like a special thing that only affects us, you know, and it, 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 I think having a nickname helps you commiserate together a little bit, right? Yeah, more um, openly at, at least because and, and well, it's it's open code word, but also it's like, oh, like this is something that like we share together, you know, and we're in it together. All right, so really good conversation. I. I think all of these things connect, you know, periods, sexuality. I, I want to talk about this topic of infertility uh, within the mom community because I, I feel like the focus around infertility is always really on the woman. So let me know if you have a different perspective or, or if you've heard different things within our community, right, where I feel like it's kind of taboo to have infertility within your relationship and and that, you know, the blame and shame are mostly on the woman, right? So for example, like if a couple has been trying to have kids, it's always on the woman like, hey, have you taken this mom medicine so that you can have a kid? Or, you know, oh, if she can't have any kids, then maybe you should marry a second wife, right? Like, I feel like that has been said to mom men a lot, this latter part. And I still remember, I think that's why for my mom, like having kids is so important because, you know, she got married when she was around 15 and she didn't have any, she couldn't have any kids until she was 18, right? Until like, until like she took medicine and Hoopley and one and all of that stuff to call right so for me like i i get where she's coming from in, in her value of having kids uh but i feel like it's always focused on the woman so i'm really curious to hear your thoughts on infertility and what you've heard about about this topic within our community i can give you guys my firsthand experience um being married to a Hmong family um it is really always on the woman, and it is really hard. Um, I got married pretty young at 18, and then uh, both my husband and I, we both decided we weren't ready for kids, so I was on birth control, and, of course, I didn't um, tell my in-laws that, you know, so, like, I didn't have kids because I was on birth control, and so it was always like, when are you guys going to have kids and stuff? And I was like, we're just too young, and we don't want to, you know, and, like, my mom was pretty supportive because she was like you guys are still so young um you guys need to get your life together before you guys do have kids because once you have kids you know i mean that's you know i mean your all your focus is going to be on the kids and so i was like supportive in from like my side and my in-laws didn't push me too much they did they did ask me and then um i always got like offered like chore from like all the aunties and stuff like that at the different parties they're <laughs> always like them? I did not take any of them because I wasn't trying to have any kids. So I was just like, I'm not paying out $200 for that. I'm not going to, I have no use for that. Like, you know, like. That's right. Save your money. So I'm just like, I'm on birth control for a reason, guys. You know, so it's like, that would defeat my purpose of being on birth control. But um, no, I always got approached because they're like, you guys been married for like a couple years now. When are you guys having kids? Are you having issues? Are Do you need help? Or, you know, I even got offered like, by like another relative is like, well, you know, um, so-and-so is in chiropractic and they can help you guys determine when to have a kid and what kind of like warmups and exercise. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, like, I'm like, that's way too much. Like, I don't want any of that. But then when we did um, try, we did have issues too. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard. Um, you know, I had like, um, two miscarriages before I had kids and stuff too. And so like, you know, it was hard. Like the first time, like, I believe I was like, like I knew I was going to have a miscarriage because it just wasn't going well. But then like, I know it was like good intentions for my in-laws, but then like, they still wanted to do like, uh, owning and all of that stuff. But like, I, there, it was hard because it's like, I knew that my pregnancy was ending and I had to sit through all of that. So it was very emotional for me. And like, I didn't know how to express that because it's like, I didn't want to let them down, but I knew that it wasn't viable. And even on my parents' end, they're like, oh, we can have uncle do this and do that. But I'm just like, man, scientifically, it's not gonna work or help, you know? It was just, my body is, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's done already, you know? My body is waiting to reject it pretty much. And so, you know, I mean, I think it, there is a lot. And then I'm just like, it's always, it is on the female, you know, like that's my experience. They're always like, so what did you do? What didn't you do? Maybe you should stop working or, you know, did you eat something? Did you drink something? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like just stop, you know, like it just wasn't meant to happen. Katie, I, man, thank you for sharing your story. And 
And, you know, I, I, I want to let our listeners know that like infertility is a serious issue. And, you know, I think this is why like it's a really good um, conversation to have because sometimes it's so it's hard for folks who are going through it and then to hear this extra noise of like, oh, it's probably your fault or you're not doing enough to try to have a baby like it is really hard. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to put out some stats and really hear where uh, Liz and Monica as well, right? So, you know, just looking from like the National Institutes of Health, about 9% of men and about 11% of women um, in the US have experienced fertility problems. So in some ways, like, you know, it's, it's a difficult, touchy topic. And, you know, we do have to recognize that biologically, some people can't have kids, right? Like, it's not their fault. And we have to be, and we can't try to fix it. I think sometimes when you try to fix it, we, when I say we, I meant, you know, mom folks try to fix it. Like it doesn't make that person feel good. Like it makes them feel even worse. Right. So. Mm -hmm. No, I, I am with you there, Marnia. And like Katie, you know, I can't even imagine what you were going through because we were also so young at that time. And I'm like, we probably didn't provide you the support that you needed, you know? And I think that's the other part of like this conversation around infertility or miscarriages, right? That like women have to suffer through it alone, Mm -hmm. even if their husbands or partners are there with them. Like, it's just, you like, don't, we can't even fathom what you're going through. And I, I think hopefully in the future, we can change that culture and that like, you know, miscarriages are often pretty normal before you know and i'm not saying that like with katie's situation that it was like warranted but like you know with other stories like i think that's the thing i've heard as of late that like miscarriages are pretty common before you like can conceive and yeah i think that's the the worst yeah i think that's the worst part that we're like we don't know that it's common and so we as women just always feel like we have failed right Mm -hmm. because that's like the one job we were supposed to do right and yeah, like the stat that you gave me, yeah, like that's crazy. Like I bet you men don't even know that. Like I bet they don't even know that they're part of the statistic. Yeah. And, I th- mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Katie. No, no, no. I was just going to say like most of the time you don't know because no one actually does work up on miscarriages unless you yeah. – like they don't do work up unless it's like three or four or more and then like – or unless you're trying like – all the time and they're like okay let's do a workup because it takes so long for anyone to request a workup because i requested a workup and they're just like well you know you're still young and he's still young and you guys only had one or two miscarriages and then you know how long have you guys been trying you know because i mean i was on birth control so you know as you get off you know i mean there's it's still in your bottom you had to wean off and i completely understand yeah right and i completely understand that but you know after trying for like three years and then plus you know like two miscarriages i finally got a workup and then, you know, that I got pregnant. They're all like, they're what like. What's a workup? I'm sorry. That's a stupid question. But No, no, no. It's, oh, it's oh, like, you know, it's, it's just like a medical. Stupid. It's not a stupid question. It's just like, you know, like where they're going to like test your body. They You take oh, like okay. a dye test to make sure that all your tubes are connected. Everything looks good. They do like a blood workup. Make sure like, you know, and if it goes like farther from there, they can do like sperm counts and all of that. But it's all pricey and it takes a lot of time. And so that's why they're like, well, if you're kind of young right now, we're not going to consider it like a big thing until like you have like a history, you know, and then we'll do a workup on you. Gotcha. So, like you can't go in today and be like, hey, I want to request a workup. You probably could, but your doctor's probably going to be like, why or no, you know, so. I, I appreciate your stats, Mania, and what Katie said, um, you know, with the, the, the medical aspect. I think um, because in our community, right, like, a measure of success for Anya, right, is to have grandkids and continue the family line, right, um, so that you know the clan and and you know your 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 father's genes like continue whatever. Um, I think having science to help support you know like and and pinpoint problems has been really beneficial to Hmong women, right? Because otherwise, um, if if you if if you are like a nya right or you do um right and um you don't have children right like this usually is a reason for your husband to go marry a second or a third wife right like to have kids to fill the house to continue the family line so i don't know i just wanted to bring that out there cuz i think that 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 like that's like a very real thing that happens in our culture right like when men feel like there some some men feel like their wives are not producing children that's sometimes grounds for divorce, right? And you know, we've we've seen that 
so those are just my two cents um, to, to add to it, uh, the discussion that has been really good so far. And again, Katie, thank you for sharing your story. You mm-hmm. are always so brave. I love you. And sorry, we couldn't support you either. Yeah, Liz, thanks for, for sharing. Um, I, I really want to hit back on that perspective about the role of women and having kids and connect this to a topic on disabilities as well. Because, you know, when we were coming up with this list of taboos, like for me, I thought of disabilities as a challenge because, you know, my aunt, my dad's sister, she, um, you know, she passed away, but like she always lived with us or she always lived with somebody um, because she's deaf and she can hear, she could hear a little bit, but she couldn't speak. So for us, we had to come up with her own sign language in Hmong. And you know how complicated it is. Like ASL is already complicated, but then we seriously had to develop our own sign language and Hmong to get her to understand. And I'm sure a lot of stuff was was lost in translation. But I think it's how people talk about people in our community talk about people who have disabilities, right? So for example, like, you know, my dad's my dad would call, you know, his sister or my aunt like Dua. Like that was her name. Oh. Right. But then for us, like she, you know, we call her Ponti because that's her name. Line T is her name. But my dad will call her Dua. So even though she had this disability, like, dude, she could cook, she could clean, she took care of us, she raised the kids, like she did so much. But because she had this disability, she was never able to get married. But that was her name. Like that was what people called her growing up. Right. And I think to me, like, it's just such a shame uh, on how our community have really talked about people with disabilities right or you know thinking that oh they can't be successful or they can't get married or they can't have kids or they can't do anything because I grew up with somebody who had a disability like she was never scary to me but I think that sometimes how people talk about people with disabilities like it's something that you should fear like oh don't go too near that person or oh that person has a disability so they're scary they might do something to you you know which I never understood like why? Why do we condition people to be afraid of people who are different? You know, mm-hmm. they're just different, right? Or people with disabilities. Because I think even for us too, yeah, we like grew up, you know, with people in our family. Um, one of our uncles who like couldn't speak and like, you know, probably needed, yeah, like some like some help there. Mm-hmm. But like he perfectly functioned fine, right? Like he was a babysitter for their, their family, watched all of their kids growing up. Mm-hmm. He could hear but he just couldn't speak, right? Yeah. So yeah, they would, they would also, you know, call him similar things, like what your family did with your aunt right? or your dad did with your aunt. And yeah, I just, I don't know. That's so sad. Like, why do we do that to people who are different? Well, I mean, it's othering, right? And it makes certain people feel better. But I will say, um, you know, again, as like a silver lining, um, because there is a safety net here in the United States, right? Um, this uncle that Monica is talking about, you know, my mom would say, well, he's actually smarter than all of his brothers because exactly. he was, able to, he was yep. able to go to school and he was and able navigate to like, all of that. Um, yep. get degrees, right, Um, because he was disabled, but he was able to get the help that he needed. And so my mom's like, actually, he's like much smarter than everyone else. He just can't say things to you, mm-hmm. but like would be able to process m- probably more complex thoughts than his brothers. Again, you know – it's it's a lack of like understanding of um and in like compassion. I think to me, I think it's um it was like always considered a taboo topic because it always felt like it was a curse. Like, oh, you did this it, when you were younger, or you, you know, like this in is your past topic, life, in you your did past life, or whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is why you have a kid yes. with a disability. <laughs> like, you're paying for it in this lifetime because of X, Y, and Z reason, right? So to me, I feel like, again, that burden is on the woman. Like, so I don't know. It's it's just all tough all, all around just to say, you know, we we got to do better to, to, to normalize it. Yeah, to normalize. And also normalize treat them as, it. Yeah. as human Normal beings, right? people, yeah. Yes, yes. We just need to normalize it and talk about it because it, it, it affects the whole family and the kids too. Being like an educator, um, we run into these problems a lot to like where kids, they need specialized learning plans or they have learning disabilities and parents refuse to talk about it because of the stereotypes and like because, you know, they don't want their kid to be, you know, singled out. And it's like, you know, like we are trying our best to 
help your kid, you know, and they need this service or they need this extra time to digest your work or to for them to understand because they don't learn the same way like everyone else. And it's not a bad thing. And like, you know what I always tell the parents or like even within my own family, I'm just like, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong as a parent Mm -hmm. or like when, you know, you were conceiving him or her, you know, it's just the way they are. And like the best thing you can do is to accept it and to like, you know, intervention and prevent like intervention is key. Like, you know, the earlier they get it, the way, the more normalized, their lifestyle or their learning can be, you know, like if you're going to sit there and deny for like five years during that five years, they could be learning different ways to communicate, like whether it be sign language or like, you know, having speech therapy or things like that, you know, and like, you know, it's hard as a parent, you know, cause you want the best for your kids and you, and like you take that as like a defeat or a failure, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, you know, we just got to normalize it and say that it's okay. And they need extra help, not because you've failed in your parenting, but because your child needs it. So just give it to them. Um, mm-hmm. Even with like my own babies, yep. you know, like um, they're all very different. And we realized that, you know, one of our child needs a little bit more, um, you know, support in his speech, you know, and it was hard. I mean, like we had that conversation too. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, if he needs it, then just get it. But it was still Mm -hmm. hard to talk about like with other people. They're like, well, but aren't you like a teacher? I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm a teacher, but like, you know, like I, I, I can't can't control, like, (laughs) you know, like I can't control the way he, you know, like his, his tongue functions or like what he hears, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm a teacher, but I'm a speech therapist. Okay. (laughs) You know, so like that's personal knowledge. It's just like, I wouldn't like diagnose you with some kind of medical condition because I'm not a freaking doctor, yo, you know? So it's like, we just have to be normalize it and talk about it. I think that's like the hardest thing that no one talks about it. So we feel that it's a taboo. Thanks for Yeah. (laughs) and then I think you know to add on to that Katie it's just like it's okay to ask for help you know it's okay to receive help it's okay to ask for help as parents and to be you know vulnerable and I I think many people aren't because of the you know the shame and the backlash that comes with it but I hope that you know our listeners and our monk community especially like it's okay to just recognize that yeah sometimes you just need the help and it's so you know like, if people are going to judge you, fuck them. But, like, because, <laughs> um, like, you know, I didn't, I, I wouldn't count this as a disability, but, like, when I was younger, I had a lisp and I had to go to speech therapy class, right? And I, like, but I thought it was so cool and fun because I got to skip class, you know? And I didn't even realize that I had a lisp until my parents put me in this class and my teacher, you know, went through these, like, flashcards with me. And I, I had a lisp where, like, I would say S, like, F. Yeah, I don't know. I again, I didn't know I had a the speech like disability or speech learning like you know challenge until someone told me, and I never thought it was a bad thing or like no one, you know. So hopefully, we can continue to normalize it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. just want to say, uh-huh. as as your sister, I think our parents made sure not to tell us that Monica was different. Because like mm. <laughs> I, I, in what ways? Like really? What do you mean? No, because I honestly, so I vaguely remember something about this, but like my parents like didn't talk about it. So I actually even forgot until Monica brought it up. Like right now, yeah. Like I, I, I think my parents were like really. They worked really hard to to make sure that Monica did not feel like ostracized, etc. Mm-hmm. But like That's I, I didn't even remember. This. Sorry, Monica, until you brought this up. I was like, oh yeah, like. I think my parents talked about this maybe once in front of us, but they never like talked about Monica's lips. Like mm, maybe all. that's why I never felt bad about it. Cause yeah, I'm like my teachers and them never made a big deal. They're just like, Oh, you're going to go to a separate class mm-hmm. with another classmate. Cause I had another, another Cambodian friend at the time, bless her heart. She's no longer here, but like I had the class with her and she had the same problem. So we mm-hmm. would like do the lessons weekly together. And then we like, graduated together or we mm-hmm. like you know finished together huh never thought of it that way yeah oh monica thanks for sharing your story and i think you know talking about these different topics i feel like the recurring theme for me is yes normalizing talking about these topics but then also really kind of redefining what support looks like because to yeah. to our parents generation or my parents generation support is like you know, go hoopley to call through a person though. But yeah. now, like, I think we have to really de- redefine what support is to that person. 
and we need to be inclusive, be have more of an inclusive language when talking about these topics to not ostracize that person, to not make them feel bad, right? And I, I feel like mm-hmm. you know, we, we still have a lot of work to do um, in terms of that. And, you know, especially with the conversations about disabilities, like to, to my parents, like, you know, it's still synonymous, like dumb equals having a disability, was a, which is not true at all. So I think just, I want to say, Manya, I really appreciate your observations. You're always so on point. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I love that <laughs> because, you know, I, I think that, Katie's like, like I obviously our aunties are always kind of in our in our business, but like everybody means well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, like, they do. They're, they're they're always assuming, oh, like you want to have kids, so we're gonna give you all this medication, and you know, like, you know, like you know, tell babies, you know, and and the baby's healthy, and I I think that that's right. Like maybe um, and this is something that I've also learned is that. Um, you do have to meet people where they are and support them mm-hmm. in the ways that they want to um, be supported. Um, so I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, I will, I will plus one that. Um, but I, I think the other thing is I'm, I'm very hopeful for our future. Um, I mean, like Manya, you know, you touched upon, we don't really have good um, words for, um, you know, disabled. Um, I think, um, you know, as our community has, has, um, you know, made America home. Like we, we have put on uh, added new lexicons, et cetera. And so looking forward to what we say to that. Cause I, I know that we use a lot of borrowed words from like Lao and Thai. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to plus one that cause, and I want to add that it's, it's not even just the struggle in Hmong that we don't have words for it, but even in English, right? Like as we continue to try to be more inclusive, instead of saying disabled people, I actually learned this in my grad program from some of my classmates. Like we should be saying, you know, people with disabilities or people who have been marginalized instead of saying marginalized people, right? And I think that like it's just as simple as saying, oh, the ning you know, or halu or halu right? Instead of saying ning Because yeah. that's it's so demeaning and degrading. Yeah. Um so I hope, you know, our listeners, our community, as Liz said, we can continue to just find different ways to to describe people because right. that's not the only thing that they are. Um, yeah, I know that yeah. it's always best to say, you know, uh, people with hard of hearing, not people who can't hear, you know, it's yeah. there, there, it shouldn't be a deficit, it should mm-hmm. just be who they are. So, you know, like, instead of taking that negative part, just represent who they are by talking about their disability. So I, I think that we can achieve that. And I look forward to that, too, as you mm-hmm. all do. Yeah, yeah, I think we you know, we as in like our podcast um, co-hosts, we we definitely have a lot to learn as well. And, um, you know, hoping to learn from you all, our listeners, um, too, on on these different topics that we talked about. So, you know, before we close out, um, you know, really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode. And as much as we enjoy recording it, we hope to have shed some light on the different topics of taboos uh, within our community and hope that we can, you know, all work together to think through how about how we can continue to be better and be more inclusive within our community um, and really, you know, treat people as equal and treat people as human beings and really um, move our community towards that. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you all and we will talk to you soon.